having a school bus that's 40 feet long is like having an apartment built trailing behind you, you know, instead of your little red wagon. I mean, it was so big. It was very difficult, very difficult to find a place to park a school bus. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 102 with Paige Hodel. Paige is a really, really inspiring guest. She actually converted a school bus into a tiny home way back in the 80s and was a total pioneer who has been featured in Dwell Magazine and on HGTV. But she really has been building her entire life and has done some really cool projects. Paige is inspiring and humble and just has a great message about how anyone can build their own home. So I really hope you stick around for my conversation with Paige Hodel. But first, I'd like to tell you about the sponsor for today's episode, Tiny House Engage. Have you been working on planning or building your tiny house and feel like you want to connect with other people, get your questions answered, and just support each other along the way? Well, Tiny House Engage is the community for you. Tiny House Engage brings together tiny house hopefuls and DIYers to share plans and resources, learn from each other's challenges and mistakes, and celebrate our successes so that we can feel less alone while we build faster, safer, smarter, and cheaper tiny homes to embrace the tiny house lifestyle. Whether you're a tiny dreamer who is still figuring out all the systems, plans, and everything you need to go into your tiny house, or if you're actively building, Tiny House Engage has the resources and members to connect with for you. There are professional contractors in the community here to answer your questions about plumbing, electricity, and ventilation, and there's also plenty of interaction between members. If you need some encouragement or just need to know how someone else solved a particular problem, you'll get those answers in Tiny House Engage. I'm also very personally active in the community, answering questions and keeping an eye on things, so if you want to interact with me, this is a great place to do it. To learn more and register for Tiny House Engage, go to thetinyhouse.net slash engage. Registration closes at the end of the day today, March 13th. I can't wait to meet you in Tiny House Engage, and I know you'll love your new Tiny House community. All right, I am here with Paige Hodell. Paige is a 63-year-old woman carpenter who loves to build homes in small spaces. In 2002, Paige renovated a 1973 International Harvester school bus, which was featured in Dwell Magazine and HGTV. Paige Hodel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Great to be here. It's really great to have you. Um, you reached out to me uh, just in response to one of my emails just to kind of share your story with me. And I said, oh my gosh, I have to have you on the show to, to tell this story. Fabulous. Uh, so why don't we go back to the school bus? Because that's, that's kind of what initially piqued my interest. Just now it's so popular, but I feel like in 2002, people must have looked at you like you were a crazy person when you said, I'm going to build out a school bus to turn it into a house. Well, here's 
some very even more interesting um, information that might add a little bit of depth to this is that the story came out in 2002. I built the school bus in 1985. Oh. So I built that school bus like 50 years, 40 years ago. Wow. Yeah, or 80, 9, 10, yeah, it's like almost 40 years ago. So yeah, it was actually featured in Dwell in 2002, but I promised you, how rare you thought it was in 2002, in 1985, it was, I mean, I was certifiably crazy, they said. <laughs> well. So why, why did you do it? What, what brought you to the school bus? You know, it's funny. I I um have always since I was a child. I think my earliest memory is um somehow having my bed on wheels. I think when I was a child, I had a like fantasy of my bed having wheels. And as I got older, my father was a very interesting, wonderful man. And he at one point moved into his sailboat. My mother and father passed um, uh, separated, and he moved into his sailboat. And he had this kind of cool wooden sailboat that he completely tricked out into like, you know, I mean, most sailboats look like sailboats. His had like fireplace and bookshelves. And I mean, he just tricked it out. And I was like, wow. And I think it all sort of tied in with this really early love of moving around and having your home on wheels. And it just was something, I mean, I always was building something in something, you know, and, and uh, I, always wanted to get a school bus. I had done many vans. I had Volkswagen vans, the old Westfalias. I had the old 21 window Volkswagens and, um, you know, Econoline vans. I was always building little houses in my cars. And of course, the big dream would be to get a school bus, you know. And I found the bus on the side of the road in San Francisco out by the beach. And when I drove by, I, I saw a for sale sign on this big yellow school bus. And I went, Oh my God, that's my bus. Called the guy. He had moved it from the East Coast. Uh, he he didn't want to call a big moving company, so he bought an old school bus and moved himself out, and then sold the bus and got a great deal. It was a, just it was fabulous. It was just so right right away. How much did the school bus cost, if you don't mind me asking? No, not at all. At that time, it was five thousand. Nice. And it had, I mean, it it had like a couple thousand miles on it. I mean, it was like a really sweet deal. It was, you know, the school buses don't put much mileage on because they just go back and forth a few miles, you know, for 10 years. So they don't really get much mileage, but lots of wear and tear, but it was great. It was just perfect. Nice. And so had you like seen a school bus conversion that kind of inspired this one or were you operating completely just on your own inspiration and creativity for the build out? You know, it was a little bit of both. You know, I, I, I was, you know, I wasn't exposed to that many school buses, but I used to go to RV shows and, you know, I just, I loved interiors, compact interiors and using space well. And, and uh, the craziest part of this is that I finally, I bought the bus, found a place to do it in 1985. It was not a, easy <laughs> to find a place to park. 40 foot the one that i bought was like literally the biggest one you can buy so it was 40 feet long and uh yellow so not a lot of people wanted a big giant yellow school bus in their yard 
or anywhere. So I finally found an industrial parking lot in San Francisco down by the, um, it's now the dog patch, very, very hip area. But it was down by where all the boat guys were working on boats and stuff and um, found a lot, parked it in there. And the first day that I went to go work on it, I was driving along on my bicycle. I was riding a bike, a bicycle at the time. And I was riding my bike down and I saw an old vintage suitcase on the street. And I was like, oh my God, you know, I love old vintage stuff. And so I pulled over and I shook it and there was something inside it, but it was locked. And I was like, what is it? You know, and I shook it, shook it, put it on the back of my bike, rode down to the, to the bus and wedged the thing open. And it was this crazy, beautiful book on renovating school buses. Whoa. I was like, okay, what the, what? You know what I mean? And I found out later, I didn't know this, but I found out later that there was only a thousand copies printed. The fact that I even found this was was so random. And so, I mean, it's almost giving me goosebumps to even recount the story because it's so crazy. So, and actually, you know, a lot of the stuff that was in that book was a, was a little far out for me. Funny enough, I'm, I'm an old hippie, but it was a little too far out for me, but I, I wanted something a little bit more kind of streamlined and architecturally, you know, a little bit more interesting, not just a bunch of old couches. And, and uh, so anyway, but it was really cool. Really very, very um, risky. So did you live full time in the bus at any point? I did, although not in the beginning. So I, I bought the bus. I'm, I'm a disc jockey. I'm a DJ and I work at night as a DJ at that time, full-time DJ. So I would work at night, you know, make 60 bucks, go down the lumber company in the morning on my bicycle and strap all the, you know, wood onto the back of my bike and ride down. And I did this for maybe a year or two, uh, just building on the weekends and during the day. And when I, well, not weekends, DJ weekends are, um, are Monday and Tuesday, but, and, you know, so I, it took me many, many years to actually finish the bus. But in 2001, I moved the bus up to some friends' property in Sonoma County. And at the time, I had a couple of nightclubs that were kind of ending their uh, tenure. We had a really wonderful runs of these two clubs. But when I closed the two clubs, I was like, oh, I need quiet. So I then moved into the bus after, you know, so many years of loving and building and and so i finally lived in it for many years up uh, up in the country up in sonoma county and really truthfully it was some of the best years of my life i mean just off the charts well, that's wonderful do you still do you still have the bus i had to sell the bus sadly having a school bus that's 40 feet long is like having an apartment built trailing behind you you know, instead of your little red wagon. I mean, it was so big. It was very difficult, very difficult to find a place to park a school bus. Now, I, I painted her this gorgeous forest green, so she was nice looking. And I painted it green so it would look really nice in the country. But at that time, it just, people were not, they were not tiny house at all. So you were considered kind of weird if you had a, and in fact, a lot of RV parks wouldn't even let you come in because you were sort of a hippie and you were going to be a problem and you were going to move in and never move out. So it, it was, it was very difficult. I had a dear friend 
Amy Stevens, who um, I call her my bus angel, and she always was able to find me these wonderful places on a farm out in uh, in a uh, field, you know, in a horse field, or I just I had the best best time. That's that's wonderful. Yeah, it was really cool. So where where did you learn your carpentry skills? You know, it started when I was really, really young. When I was 16 or 15, I built a, I had a garage in my, uh, I wanted to have a little house in the garage. My mother let me transform this garage into, into a little living space. So I got all the boys at school that knew how to do, one of them was, a, his dad was a builder, Fred Cassini. I will never forget him. And um, they came and, you know, the boys came and helped me and a couple of my girlfriends, and we transformed this little garage into a house. So I learned kind of the basics that sort of started planting the seed. And then I lived in Oakland uh, uh, for, for about two years back in the 70s. And my next door neighbor was a old contractor. And he kind of, you know, I, I'd go over to his house. I'm always like, you know, taking apart a TV or, you know, I love to take stuff apart and learn how they work. And um, I think I went over to borrow a, you know, a, a wrench or something from my neighbor. And he was, he was like, he just kind of, we just bonded right away. He took me under his wing and taught me quite a bit about carpentry. And I, he said, what you really should do is go get some balsa wood. And he gave me a book on carpentry. And he said, build a house out of balsa wood and then bring it over here. And I'll, I'll, you know, I'll test, I'll, I'll grade it. And I did. I went to, you know, hobby store and bought little, you know, balsa wood and made little two by fours. and. And I built a whole house and, and uh, by reading this book, I read the book cover to cover and just taught myself the, the basics of construction. You know, I mean, the thing that, that is extraordinary about working with your hands and with wood is that you, every time you touch, well, I mean, I guess this is really a metaphor for life. You know, as you, as you repeat doing something, you gain data and it's, you store it. And so every time you, you know, you pull a two by four and you go, the first time you use it, you go, God, I wonder if it'll bend. I push weight in the middle of it. Well, the next time you do it, you realize I can't go 20 feet. I can only go six feet. Two by four can only go six feet before it. And you start to, to really know the properties of the materials, you know. And now, I mean, it's just like, it's like, it's like scrambling eggs for me now. You know, I pull a piece of wood and I'll go, that'll fit really nice here. You know, I, I don't do sort of traditional uh I don't sit down and plan before I build something. Usually I'll, I'll get the space. In this case, now what I'm working on now, I started with a flat trailer. So this was kind of a real dream to start at zero and build a little house on wheels from the ground up. Now, it's interesting that, you know, I mean, and I'm thrilled. I feel like I, I'm no longer the only crazy one. It's so cool that this tiny house movement has just, you know, we all watched it. I think Tumbleweed was the first one I saw. And I just remember looking at it going, what the hell is that? That is the coolest little thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it was, I, I was just, I'm just thrilled that it's so vibrant. And, you know, I mean, as with everything in culture, it's because the world is changing. Our world has changed so much and nobody can afford to live and make their dreams come true anymore. Who can buy you know, who can buy a, a two or three bedroom house and have a little, you make that dream come true. It's like half a million. 
Certainly not in the Bay Area. Yeah, that's a million there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you are currently sitting in in your next project or in your current project, yeah. correct? So tell yeah. tell us a little bit more about it. What you know? What size trailer? What's your kind of goal with the with the design? Are you going for mobility or? Yeah, tell us about it. Yeah. So um, it all started with this little flat trailer. I was with a friend of mine, Pat Mayo. We were on her little tractor on her property and we were zipping around over the, she has a beautiful piece of property up in Ukiah. She and her husband, Sambone. And um, there was a this like funky old trailer in the, you know, kind of rusty old thing up in the, you know, she's, oh, we're going to get rid of that. I go, wait a minute. What, what was that? Back up. She backs up. I said, what is that? She said, oh, it's this old trailer. You know, we're going to get rid of it. We didn't want it. And I went, oh, my God, I'm so taking it. And so we, I went up, picked up the trailer. And, I, you know, ever since the tiny house thing started really, really bubbling up, I, I you know, I've, it's piqued my interest uh, because I, I love to build and it seems to be popular. So I thought, well, maybe this could be a, a possible revenue. You know, maybe I could start making a little tiny house and selling them. So um, I brought the, the, the trailer back and I had sort of this grandiose design that I wanted to do. But well, when I really looked honestly at the little trailer that I got, it was not robust enough to do what I wanted. I wanted a second story bedroom, you know. And um, so I, I kind of augmented the design and, small, you know, made it a little bit smaller. What I like, and actually my sort of, um, I don't know, design difference is going to be that I really, really love uh, vintage trailers. Like I've been into vintage trailers forever. And so my idea was to sort of make a hybrid of a vintage trailer and a tiny house. So I started a little business. My business is going to be called a Vintage Tiny. And it's essentially going to be the the the... So the use of the space inside is um, a little bit more leaning towards what a trailer would be like, but the um, it's all wood, so it's going to be almost like a land yacht. So her name is Maxine. She's 16 feet long, uh, seven feet wide, seven feet seven wide, and uh, it, I built the entire thing on just a two by four little frame. And then, you know, three-quarter ply. And then I, I did what I'm calling ultralight building. And this is a little more leaning more towards a trailer, although it's all wood. It's one by two framing on its side. And then, you know, quarter-inch um, birch skin on the inside completely. All of the furniture is built with one by twos and birch um, cabinets. And everything's going to be done with birch fronts and one by two framing. And then, uh, because I want to go ultra light. However, what I what I've learned is that I, I don't think that this is really going to be an RV. I don't think it's going to be something that people want to move because it's going to be heavy. You know, I'm going to do really really beautiful uh, one by six tongue and groove, either redwood or cedar on the outside. Um, although I think what I'm going to do is take the one by six if I can to a mill and have them mill it down to half by six. So that it's thinner, just like a little bit lighter, um, and then you know, just 
just trick it out. Just make it just absolutely yummy, delicious. It's a good little tiny, tiny house. It's like a micro tiny. <laughs> That's awesome. I yeah. I can't wait to see to see photos of it. I feel like this is such a tease. Just getting to see this one view of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm gonna send you. I can send you a little movie that I took last week. Oh, great. Okay. It kind of has a uh, you know, it shows the whole interior. Awesome. Um, tell me about the door behind you. It looks like a handmade door. Yes, I did. I um, you know, I decided on this. I, I sort of laughing with my friends, saying that this is my Taj Mahal or my. Sistine Chapel, I'm kind of taking my carpentry to the highest level that I've ever taken it. I'm kind of trying things that I've always wanted to try. I'm getting older. I'm kind of, I want to make sure I do some of the things that I really, that I've dreamt of all my life. And I want to strive to be just a really fine craftsperson. And, um, you know, as I've, as I've learned when I was younger, when I did pretty much everything in my life, I did it sort of crash up, bash up, smash up, do it fast, hurry, let's go, bam, let's do this, you know. I lived a, a really, really kind of fast-paced life as a disc jockey and, and uh, had, you know, just a wild ride, to be honest. But, um, uh, you know, as I'm getting older, I, I'm slowing down and I'm kicking down into a lower gear that feels really rich and very, um, really, really rich and, and very peaceful. And so my carpentry is reflecting that. Whereas I wouldn't have taken four days to make a door before. This took four days to do, but I, I did things that I'd never done. I used the biscuit joiner. And, 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 you know, what was amazing is when you move into doing things that you've never done before, you kind of like, you, it's all of a sudden the world opens up and you go, oh, that's how they did that. Because, you know, when you look at certain things, pieces of furniture, really fine furniture and you go you could never do that how did they do that you know now that you, you know, i've had the opportunity to work with really fine i used hardwood cherry on this door and i kind of wanted the door to be just like off the top like it's really it's it, i don't see it but it, it really came out nice and eventually i'm going to cut it so it's a little dutch door you know so it opens on the top and um my family heritage is romanian uh, or half Romanian. My father was Romanian, and I, I feel strongly connected to my Romanian roots, i.e., my gypsy roots and my nomadic. And it's been an unexplained drive in my being since I was a child. In fact, when I was a kid, I used to change my furniture around in my bedroom, like once a month. And my mother would come downstairs and go, "What the hell did you just do?" And I. I I need a change. I want things to be different. And, you know, as I got older, I realized that that was my gypsy nomadic, you know. I mean, one of the things that we love as nomads is we love change. We love to see new things. You know, every time you have a, a little house on wheels, you open your eyes in the morning and it's different when you open that curtain. You're looking at something different than the day before. You sit, have your lunch, and you're looking out over the, the ocean. And, uh, you know, it's it's a... It's a really, really vibrant lifestyle to experience the world around us and, and really deeply enjoy it and take your home with you, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so you are a DJ primarily. Um, I'm curious if there are any parallels that you can draw or that you've experienced between 
building small spaces or carpentry and, and DJing? Well, God, that is very cool. What a cool question. Um, it's funny because I had a, an epiphany the other day. One of the things that you do when you're a disc jockey, one of the main things that you do is the marriage of one song to another. And it's the place where the two meet that is really the joy. I mean, the song is great. It's wonderful to hear the song you love. But when you're on the dance floor and you hear another song starting to come in and you know that song and you kind of hear, it's a, just this delicious overlay of material, of um, uh, the elements, let's say. And I think, you know, in a lot of ways, I was thinking about it when I was building last weekend that, that um, you know, there's a lot of materials in this space. Like I use this old funky, those beautiful uh, cow troughs for my bathtub. And, um, you know, there's a lot of materials that kind of overlap and, and they, they butt up next to each other. And I have to make the, com- the conversation between this thing and that thing a nice, you know, it's not just like, bam, bam, bam. You know, it's like, and when you join wood, it's that is exactly you're 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 making this just delicious uh, union of materials. I like that a lot. It's it's like it it challenges people's perceptions in a way when you when you join two unexpected things together. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So. Other than the school bus and the the small house you're building now, do you have any other small houses under your belt that I that I don't know about? Oh yeah, <laughs> I have so many. The one uh, when I think when I was like seventeen or eighteen, I bought an, a funky trailer, uh, which was fifty bucks. However, I had to buy the boat. It was a boat trailer, and the, I said to the guy, "Come on, let me just buy the trailer. I don't want the boat." And he goes, "No." You got to take the boat and the trailer for 50 bucks. And I was like, oh. So I brought the trailer and, and the, the boat back to my house. I lived in Marin at the time. Backed it into my yard. And then I tied the boat to this tree in my backyard. And then I pulled the trailer out. So the, tr- the boat went plunk. It was this old funky wooden boat, which I wish I wish that I had um, restored. That That's my kind of, uh, my, before I leave here on this big blue ball, my dream would be to, um, I want to move to Maine and go to boat building school to learn how to build a beautiful wooden boats. I think that's, that's going to be when I retire. I think I'm, I'm going to end up in New England. Well, that's awesome. You can, you can come visit me in Vermont. After, oh, you're in Vermont? Absolutely. Oh, that'd be great. I would love to meet you. Likewise. Well, beyond, beyond this meeting here via yeah, the yeah. internet. Totally. Nice. Oh, yeah. So anyway, so I built a little trailer on that. And then I started buying vans. And I had a, a Ford Econoline van that I completely tricked out inside. I had many vintage Volkswagens uh, and was always building little houses on wheels. And, you know, my joy is, is to build. It's the journey, not necessarily the destination. So although everybody is cringing at the idea of me selling Maxine here, Maxine is, you know, just part of my, she's my, my uh, highway, you know, I'm, I'm on a journey and, uh, I'm, I'm actually thrilled to, to put the, put this in somebody else's life. If I were a millionaire, 
I would buy a piece of land and I would keep her and she would be one of my tiny houses on my land, but I'm not. So, uh, you know, I'll sell this. My dream and my vision is to buy two really, really robust, beefy trailers, you know, much more, um, much more robust than this one. And then I, you know, I have a design in my mind that has a second story little bedroom, but off the bedroom is a, uh, a redwood deck, low railing, and I want to make it so the bed slides out on a track onto the deck so you can sleep under the stars. That sounds great. Yeah. That would be a very California design there. <laughs> I think in Maine, right. I think in Maine or Vermont, we'd get eaten alive by mosquitoes. But oh wow, okay, all right, yeah, that's California for <laughs> no, sure. No, no, I don't. Don't let me. Uh, don't let me hurt your mellow. I like that. <laughs> we'll put a little, you know, gypsy tent over it. Yes, perfect. A little screen, a little screen house. Yeah, little yeah, yeah. Um, I'm curious if you know, as a woman carpenter you've experienced you know you're not the the image that comes to mind when you think of somebody who builds their own house and i'm curious if you you know if you've ever dealt with you know people not treating you you know almost equally or with respect in terms of your carpentry skills and and if you have any kind of message to to other female carpenters out there great question i love that question so and it's um, sensitive of you to even think that way. I love that. So, of course, I have experienced, uh, you know, discrimination. I mean, it's just that the world is super different right now than it was, you know, 40, 50 years ago. But I, you know, I've been pretty um, tenacious most of my life and um, kind of like, are you effing kidding? You're going to tell me that I can't lift a two by four? Like, what? Get out of my way. <laughs> You know, um, it's, you know, it, it has been an, a challenge to have to kind of get what you need. For example, going into a, a lumber company and saying, I want to, you know, get uh, 10 two by fours. I want to get, you know, and guy working the thing, it's usually a guy, will take you over and they'll hand you the shittiest wood in the pile. Because they know that if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to take the wood. You go, oh, thank you. You know, and you go out, always look at your wood, always take your wood and look down, make sure that it's not bowed or skewed, you know, and it's very, that is very common. And even to this day, I, when I go in, I go, you know what? No, no, no. I'm a seasoned carpenter. I'm going to pick my wood. You know, pick your wood. You can pick the, you can pick through the pile. They don't like it, but you can pick through the pile. The, sh the shitty wood is always on the top. You can always tell if you go to Home Depot and there's, you know, a, a, you know, a hundred pieces all nice and tight on the bottom. And then there's 20 on the top all flailing. Those are the ones that people have said, ew, I'm not going to take that one. Don't even look at them. That's my, my uh, advice. <clears throat> you know, I mean, people respond if you are doing what you love and you're full of joy and vibrant positive energy if you know you go into a place for most of my life i have managed to diffuse um negativity by just kind of going right in and going seriously are you going to be mean to me because i'm a woman and i want to buy a wrench like seriously like 
So, you know, you sometimes you could just have to, have to kind of go right at it. But for the most part now, I think, you know, it's a very different uh, landscape for sure. And it's hard earned. I mean, I think um, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent. You can edit this out if you want. But, you know, I think that um, we're witnessing in our culture today um, a, a systemic unwillingness to adhere to gender stereotypes. And I think the whole world is changing in that realm. It is so, in my opinion, so wrong to identify a human being by their sexual organ, their genitals, as to who they should be and what they should be like. Like that is to me, uh, you know, and I think I, I'm so seriously, seriously um, support the trans movement and everybody, you know, completely upending the um, the gender identity. I, I, I do think, though, I'd like to see the world change rather than people change themselves to, to match the world. I think that it would it's important for all of us when little babies are born, not to put pink and blue in the picture. Let the girl, let's see what emerges. I mean, every little being is totally different. And some girls wake up and they're like, I want that Tonka truck now. And some boys want to, you know, sew and do ballet. God, let little beings be who they are, you know? So I think, you know, the world is different and it's changing. We have a lot of work to do. You know, we have a lot of work to do. I love that a friend of mine had a baby the other day and I said, so did you have a boy or a girl? And she said, it's gender fluid. And I went, oh, wow. Okay. That's cool. That's awesome. And it's, you know, in its own way, the tiny house movement is, you know, turning a lot of people be them, be they male or female or whatever gender they they identify as, it's turning us all into DIY builders and and allowing us to experience building our own homes in a way that a lot of people just never get to. Completely, and it's you know I think what we find, I think what we find is um, everybody learned everything they know. It's not like and I, and I no disrespect to males whatsoever because i mean i there, there are things that guys have that that um i just am in awe of. you know there's just a i don't know there's a there's a thing that guys can do sometimes that, that women don't necessarily default to although i think we we finally learn to explore that part of us but but um you know guys learn how to do plumbing <laughs> they didn't wake up in the morning and somebody taught them how to so we're all capable of learning how to hold a wrench, put the wrench on the nut, screw the nut. Wow. <laughs> you know, now, I mean, brain surgery, I'd be a little bit more reticent to just step into like with a DIY book. But I, those guys learn how to do it. Or those women, you know, everybody's learned what they've learned. We all are capable of learning. You know, don't be afraid. Just have fun and really learn everything. I. My next thing that I'm in the process of learning right now is welding is I want to build a little um, fireplace, like a little you know, delicious, yummy fireplace, wood burning fireplace. And I don't necessarily want a wood stove. I want a cool little fireplace. 
And I think I'm going to probably end up having to build it, but because the ones I've seen are like $1,500. But anyway, you know, just learn everything you can. It makes the world around you so much more. Uh, you engage with the world so much more richly when you know, when you look at a fence, you know, go, huh, that's how they did that. They put the concrete down there. I know they did that. You know, it's, it, I don't know. The world becomes kind of really, you're more connected to it. Yeah, it sounds like you are kind of saying to get curious about yeah. the things around you and, and rather than just look at them, you know, really see if you can figure out how they were built just by looking. And usually you can. Yeah, exactly. And just, you know, I think, I think, you know, and especially as women, we, you know, we're, we're sort of like, oh, I can't do that. I can't, you know, I can't do that. We can do that, you know. I mean, you can totally make anything that is there that got made. You are capable, totally capable. And, you know, and just to open up, everybody open up the, you know, let the boys sew the curtains. Good Lord. <laughs> so one thing that I like to ask all my guests um, is what are two or three, you know, books or resources that you like or have inspired you in terms of carpentry or, or building or how, homes? I, you know, there is a, um, I wish I had it with me. And I might just email it to the name of it, but I had a carpentry book that I got that was, you know, really, it was, a, I think it was a textbook, to be honest, I think it might be a textbook. And it had a, it, 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 you know, it was just the basics of carpentry, like, um, and I would say probably any basic carpentry textbook. I wouldn't go to the Home Depot and get the How to Fix Everything book yet. If you want to get started, you know, I would suggest some really fundamental learning, you know, joint, how things get, you know, you put the two by four here and you put the net, you know, how, once you kind of get the real understanding of how a structure is made strong, then you can make structures all over this kind of, but you need to really learn the real fundamentals of uh, joinery. And I don't mean fancy pants joinery, although I'd love to learn that stuff, but um you know, just how, how materials are put together, where they're the strongest. Um, so a carpentry uh, textbook, really, honestly, is fantastic. And literally, read it cover to cover. Read it, read it by the bed at night and just read it, you know. Don't even, you don't have to, like, write anything down or take notes or anything. Just read it and learn, you know, it, it'll diffuse a lot of the, oh, oh okay. Awesome. Well. Paige Hodel, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. This was such a fun conversation. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. It was it's a great honor to be included, really. You know, you never really know when you're doing what you do in your life where it's going to go. I hope and pray that I've inspired some people to, to just have fun and do it and um, keep your eyes open. It's not up and running yet, but I will have my vintagetiny.com up and running and uh, put, you know, a lot of photos on how I did this and some of the other stuff that I've done. Thank you so much to Paige Hodel for being a guest on the show. You can find the show notes from today's episode, including links to Paige's website, a link to her Dwell Magazine article feature, and more at thetinyhouse.net slash 102. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 102. Don't forget to check out Tiny House Engage and give it a try. 
Registration is closing at the end of the day today, Friday, March 13th, and you can learn more at thetinyhouse.net slash engage. Well, that's all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.